Welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled, It Starts With Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis. Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast, powered by Go Tennis. Check out our calendar of Metro Atlanta tennis events at letsgotennis.com, where you can also find deals on equipment, apparel, and members get 10% off our shop. So go get yourself an Atlanta Tennis Monsters shirt, or even the Daniel Medvedev Lacoste shoes at 25% off for paid members. In this episode, we talk to Marcelo Ferreira, who runs the High Performance Academy at the Windy Hill Athletic Club in Atlanta. Marcelo comes to us as a former college coach, and he brings that culture to his junior academy, keeping an extremely high standard and expecting strong character from his players beyond exceptional tennis work ethic. We cleaned up the audio as well as we could, so please excuse the scratchy sound of Marcelo's voice. But whether you're a parent, player, or a coach, Marcelo has something for you. Have a listen, and let us know what you think. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. You know, for sure, looking forward to it. I think what you guys are trying to do with the, pod, with the podcast is amazing for not only the Atlanta tennis community, but everywhere. You know, I know it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time to put it together. And it's, it's not money-driven. You, you guys are just really doing it because you love the game. And you just want to, to, to connect people. You know, as we spoke on the phone earlier, uh, we end up just going to our silence a little bit. Hey, I'm doing my thing. He's doing his thing. And I think what you guys are trying to accomplish with the podcast is amazing to bring the tennis community together. But as you introduced me, my name is Marcelo Ferreira. And you didn't say it correctly, but it's okay. You know, like <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm used to people butchering my last name. It's all good. Uh, I'm, cur- I'm currently uh, the high performance tennis manager at Windy Hill Athletic Club. Uh, I'm originally from Sao Paulo, Brazil, have been in the country for about close to 21 years, loving it, uh, and that's just a quick, short introduction. That's perfect. It's a great place to start, and we want to get a lot of the, the background as well. You gave me a little bit of it previously, but I want to hear about starting young and hitting on the wall. You've got a really cool uh, backstory. You got a really cool kind of how I how I became who I am story about you, which is really neat. And I'd love to start there because yeah, yeah, you're a tennis coach, and we talk to tennis coaches all the time. But in this case, I think it's really cool because you were telling me that you would what you'd get paid a dollar to be a ball kid at tennis lessons for somebody else, and that's how you learn to play tennis by paying attention to the coaches right can you tell did I get that right you 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 did so I mean like I'll try to make this story as short as possible but I grew up in a very humble family simple family you know like and at that point you know when I was about 12 I we, we just couldn't afford tennis lessons there was no way and as any Brazilian especially a Brazilian boy I play soccer I play soccer competitively but I've always been extremely competitive. And it, it started getting to me losing games because maybe my teammates didn't show up. So one day I ended up playing tennis for fun with a friend at some public park, you know, didn't even have rackets or, or balls. We just borrowed from somebody. And I just really loved it. And I remember asking my parents, hey, could you guys sign me up for an academy? And they were pretty straightforward. We just really 
cannot afford it. You know, like a 30-minute lesson is going to hold us back to pay just basic bills. Uh, I don't know how things are done today. That was like 25, 27 years ago. But labor laws in Brazil were pretty lax. And there is a good amount of poverty. So a lot of the tennis academies all over the country, they would hire boys to come and work as ball boys full time, not ball boys like we see it here in the States. Hey, there's a ball boy for a tournament. No, we're talking about a tennis academy that operates from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And they have ball kids that just sit there in the, lounge, in the lobby waiting for Sean to come in. Hey, I got a tennis lesson and the secretary would just ask, would you like to have a ball boy for a dollar? I'm just kind of guessing the price because I don't even remember, but it was something very, very small. They was totally worth it for the client to take the ball kid and I had to pick up balls during the lesson. That was my way to try to learn the game. You know, so as I was w walking around with the ball too, picking up balls for, for a player, I'll be eavesdropping and trying to memorize some of the things that the coach was teaching his student. And I would go and practice against the wall. And the wall was my best friend, my hitting partner for years. As I started improving, the owner of the academy noticed, hey, this guy's actually hitting the ball quite well. He started inviting me to jump in in some of his lessons to help out as a hitting partner. That was my next step. So I actually ended up going officially from a ball boy to a hitting partner. You know, so I was no longer picking up balls. I was hitting. At that point, that same guy offered me to pay for my federation membership so I could go twice a month, play tournaments to represent the academy. Started getting better, playing a lot of tournaments. Around, my, around age 16 or 17, I got my Brazilian coaching certification and started coaching full-time as a 16 to 17-year-old. Uh, at the same time, playing some tournaments, we all have a dream to play professional tennis, right? I mean, like, I guess no matter how bad you are, you always think you can make it. You always, you always want to give it a shot. Uh, so at that point, you know, 17, 18, I'm working full time. I'm going to college back in Brazil and I'm playing some futures and challengers and not doing amazing, but winning a couple of matches here in the qualifying. And I remember playing this challenger in Sao Paulo, and I lost to a guy five and five who I had no business winning a game again. And this guy who owned a recruiting agency came up to me as soon as I got off the court to talk to me about college tennis. You know, and you gotta keep in mind, the, the guy is talking to a kid who never left the country, comes from a very humble upbringing. I didn't know what college tennis was. I didn't, I had no idea that you were so supported in America. I'm like, dude, you know, I, I never left the country. I don't know how to put a sentence in English together. I don't think that's for me. But I went home with that thing in my head. I'm like, I could have an opportunity to leave my country to pursue a degree in America, play tennis, and just have this unbelievable life experience. Talking to my family, at first, we're all kind of scared, but we decided to take the leap of faith. I did all the, the studying for all the tests. I filled a bunch of them because, again, my English was close to zero. Uh, but ended up getting a very good scholarship to come play for Georgia College here in Milledgeville. 
by the time I ended up coming, because when I first got that offer, uh, we were going through the process, September 11th happened. So then my parents were like, I'm sorry, we're not sending you to, to the States. You know, all this crap going on. So the dream kind of died at that point. At that point, I was eligible age-wise to play Division I tennis. When we went back to, to kind of get the process going again, when things were kind of like calmer here in the States, I was no longer able to play Division I due to my age. So I was looking at mainly D2 schools. Georgia College was the school that came into the mix with the best scholarship. Didn't know anything about any other, any other, other schools that I was talking to. It just so happened to be the best scholarship, best decision I've made in my life, guys. I mean, moved here in 2002, and the rest is history. You know, played there, spent a year and a half as the assistant coach, got the opportunity to go to Texas Tech and work under Tim Siegel. I was with him for seven years and then moved as, as the head coach at Pepperdine, and I was there, I was there for six seasons. Head coach at Pepperdine. That just makes me think of when I was in high school. That was the target. That's where I wanted to go play college tennis. And, uh, and I like your comment because I don't think Bobby or I had ever any aspirations that we were going to be professional tennis players. So I know you have that, you have that idea. So, well, yeah, we all thought we were going to make it at some point. And you're talking to two guys that were pretty sure we were never making it on tour. So we had uh, we had different plans for for what our lives were going to be coming out of college, um, but it's really cool to hear you ended up that Texas Tech where you met Tim Siegel. So that's one of the connections. Bobby's got his uh, team Luke Hope for Minds shirt on, of course, um, and we've worked with Tim about some of the uh, some of the events they're doing here in town, and we really uh, appreciate what they're everything that they're doing. So obviously you're involved with that, and you come back here. What brings you back from Texas Tech back to Atlanta? So, I mean, like, after seven years at Texas Tech, you know, I was at Pepperdine. And, Pepperdine, then, and, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, like, we just felt like it was time for a change, you know, and I wanted to build a family. Nothing that is not doable when you're doing college, not at all, because a lot of people do it and do it quite well. But for me, I just realized, okay, I really want to be a, a present father, and I don't want to travel as much, you know, like, uh, only people that do it understand how much those college coaches work, you know, regardless of the sport, you know, I can only speak all, all about tennis coaches, but it's, it's insane. You know, those guys, they're, they're working every day of the week and traveling every weekend, you know, so the family unfortunately becomes a little bit neglected. Uh, and my wife is from down here, not from Atlanta, but she's from Auburn. We just wanted to be closer to family. You know, like she had been away from family for years too. So we're just like, let's take a leap of faith. Uh, we're close to family. If it doesn't work, I feel like my resume is decent enough for me to be able to go back into the college world. And we moved down in 2018 and we never looked back. You know, I just loved it. I loved working with juniors and, and being able to influence them at a younger age to actually try to get them ready to go to college. She loves her life here. She's able to see her family. She drives down to Auburn a lot. So that's what brought me back. And it's, it's really interesting how life went full circle. The first time I left Brazil, I flew into Hartfield, Jackson, right? And, and now after 16 years, 
I come back to Atlanta again. So it's pretty cool. Well, Sean, uh, so, give me a second because we can yeah, go. deepen the, the deepen the connection. I didn't, and Marcel and I had met last year, like you said, at his event, but I did not know of the Pepperdine connection. So you know the big Swede then, Marcelo. Which one? Pear. Pear, oh yeah. God, Pear. No, Pear, so, so Pear and I, we got the job together, you know, the same okay. year. So he, he, he went into the women's and I went into the men's. Uh, and I call, he's, he's one of my best friends. He's, he's a friend, he's a mentor, just, just an unbelievable coach, an amazing human being. We actually spoke yesterday, he's at the, the US Open recruiting. Uh, his former player, Luis Estefani from Brazil, is in the semifinals of doubles. Uh, so yeah, Pe is a phenomenal guy. How, how do you know Pe? Well, I, I think I was there the night Pear met his wife. I, was very, I went to grad school with Billy Pate. So through Billy Pate, I met Pear. And when Pear moved here, and Pear lived here a couple of years, he was at Appalachian Farms. He opened Appalachian Farms. Like I said, we all used to hang out. And I think I was, like I said, I think I was there because my brother was dating one of Beth's friends. So we were all in this social circle. And I remember when he, you know, when he left to, to go. And, you know, so it was a perfect fit for to go, take Beth out to California. And uh, so, yes, I did not know that you, you, that connection existed as well. Okay. And, and, and that's what's amazing, right? That's why, you know, this tennis community sometimes seems big, but we, everybody knows everybody. I mean, like, you, you know, Pear, he's one of my dearest friends. And I, I know, you know, Billy Pate super, super well, too. We spent mm -hmm. a lot of time together and you guys are friends. So that, that's why I always think, okay, never burn bridges, man. You know, I always try to be <laughs> not and kind to everybody because you never know. And I, I give you credit for getting out of college tennis when you were teaching on Malibu Beach. That's the other tough part about Pepperdine. The location doesn't stink. The location is beautiful. But, but for me, Bobby, to be completely honest with you, yes, it's beautiful. There's no denying. It always came down to the people that I'm surrounded by. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I love the people at Pepperdine. You know, like, the, the, it's almost like Pepperdine, it's an isolated little town. It's very, it's, sure. very, it's very different from everything else that is happening in Malibu. Uh, I, I love the people, but it, it's funny. Everybody would ask me, my gosh, what a change. I'm going from Lubbock, Texas to Malibu, California. And yes, it's gorgeous, but I loved my, my time in, in, in Lubbock. You know, just th those people are like salt of the earth. Amazing people. Uh, Texas Tech is a beautiful campus, incredible uh, college town. So for me, it was always about the people. It's never about the place. I agree. And I, I have Texas roots as well. I was I went to TCU. So I, I oh, went to nice. New York nice. to Texas to California. So we, we've traveled along the same paths. That's awesome, man. New York to Texas to Georgia and oh, no, California first. Oh, that's right. California first. That's right. Because uh, you're going to be a, a rich and famous attorney, right? That was the plan. And oh, then boy, uh, and then we got Marcelo. Marcelo out of Brazil makes it up to Hartsfield, Jackson, and uh, somehow gets dragged out to Texas and by, by Tim. I assume we can blame him for that. Um, Let's just blame him, yeah. <laughs> which is good. But he's, uh, he's produced a lot of good players and evidently some good coaches as well. And it's kind of fun getting to know everybody because we live on, we live in completely different areas. If nobody knows, I know our target market here is the Atlanta area and everybody pretty much knows Atlanta, but if you're listening and you don't know Atlanta, how far apart Bobby is 
from me and how far apart we are from Marcelo, even though we're pretty much all in Atlanta. It's such a big area and where Windy Hill is way over there. It might it probably what an hour and hour 15 for me just driving out to Windy Hill in that area. It's just really far away. And it's also really cool because we spend less time stepping on each other's toes and competing. And we is the Atlanta Tennis Podcast and with Go Tennis. One of the things we're doing is trying to bring everybody together and trying to bring, okay, Marcelo's got this focus and he's got this piece of the pie, so to speak. And Bobby's 45 minutes away at least. And there's no real, there's no real competition there because there's not a lot of kids that are going to travel. He's going to offer different services. He's going to have a different thing. And to be able to get together and have everybody say, oh, you know what? You do that. Somebody calls me from Marietta. You know what? Call Marcelo. That's where you need to go. Or if somebody calls Marcelo and says, hey, who do you know in Gwinnett or Forsyth or Hall County that's really great with beginners? Oh, you know what? You need to call Sean with Tennis for Children. So, and Bobby in the same way, Windermere, we just look at it. We're trying to bring everybody together in this commonality that as Bobby says, the, the commonality is tennis. The thing we have together is tennis. But what's really cool is there's so much more than that. The fact that you guys both know so many people, yet maybe you didn't know you know the same people. And I get to sit around and listen, I'm like, I don't know any of these people. This is fun, who's that guy? Who are you guys talking about? I got to talk to Billy Pate, he's the coach at Princeton. That's really fun for me. I, I didn't know that guy beforehand. So it's fun to bring to light a lot of those Atlanta connections and what's going on. And I want to, as again, again, as long-winded as my transition has become today for some reason, um, I want to send that to what you are doing now, which is it's a high-performance academy. So two questions, and, and you can start with one and work it into the other. Are you just the guy for the high-performance academy, or are you running what, – what's the – What's the tennis structure at Windy Hill Athletic Club? Is there a director of tennis? Is there a head pro? What does that look like? And then tell us about what you're doing that's unique with your academy. Okay, so yeah, I'm like, we, we do offer as a club, the tennis department, everything from, from a red dot all the way to high performance. And there's, you know, a, a huge variety of adult programming. But when it comes to the breakdown of positions within the department, when, when I came in March of 2021, everything was sort of under the racket sports manager. So that, that person oversaw all of the programs. Uh, when, when I came in, the, the company created a different position, which is a high performance manager for me to just really be able to take over that, that high performance side of the operation and just really be responsible for not only the curriculum, how the academy is run, you know, so the coaches that work high performance, they fall under me. All the other coaches that are doing all the other programs, they sort of fall under uh, the racket sports manager. Uh, we, we work closely together, you know, like the, the goal is to grow the department and to grow tennis inside Windy Hill. Uh, so it's very important that the two of us are on the same page and we do things together. Um, but, but yeah, I know like, for, for people that are listening and watching, it's not just high performance. You know, yes, I am the man driving that, that car, but there's so much more going on uh, with our tennis department. Yeah, and that's what I was pushing to say. Okay, so if I call up Windy Hill and I'm an adult and I want a membership, I don't really need to talk to you. There's probably 
a membership on board. Like there's a system more like larger system that says, okay, I'm going to probably talk to somebody else about an adult membership. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm mean, like for, for somebody who wants to either start a uh, beginner lessons for their, their kids or an adult member that just wants to join in, the best way is to reach out to our record sports manager, Jordan Zimmerman. He's the guy who's going to be able to plug you into different programs for that level. Um, for the high performance stuff, everything comes through me. We even, you know, try to keep it away from the website because we, we the way we created things, we, we call it a boutique academy. I wanted to keep it very small, very focused. So I didn't want to, I didn't want people to be able to sign up and, and, and schedule evaluations online. So everything needs to come through me uh, before. So the, the, depending on the level of the kids, you're either coming to me or going to Jordan. Gotcha. So that's what I wanted to clear up because on the website, there's no description that says, okay, Sean is, Sean is director of tennis and you can call him and then he's going to send you to Bobby who's handling adults or Marcelo who's handling the juniors. And then we got, you know, Johnny new coach who handles the little kids that, that, that typical structure of a, of a tennis system. But it sounds like without that website saying, okay, here's who you call. I think there's just a generic number there, but in that case, we're here to talk about what you're doing mainly that wanted to cover anybody who's listening that says, Hey, you're interested in Windy Hill. There, there is a guy to talk to uh, from a membership point of view. But if my kid wants to play tennis in your Academy, you got a boutique Academy. One of the things you told me is there's always a wait list. So right now, if I called you up and I said, my kid is X in the state, he's got a UTR rating. And that's in range of someone who you would accept in your academy. I couldn't start tomorrow because you're full. I am full. So we, how does that we, work? We've had, well, you know, the thing is, so we, because we wanted to keep it sort of that way, okay? You know, like, and, and when we spoke on the phone, I told you, I don't believe there's a right way, wrong way. I think different academies do things a different way. And, and they're, they're going to be able to cater to a certain type of audience, right? So for me, it was like, okay, coming from the college background, I really wanted to make sure that the academy I put together was very similar to the way we did things running a college program. What do I mean by that? You know, like a more specific, focused, uh, design type of coaching with a lot of attention on the player instead of like, eight to 12 players per coach. We, we, we really do one coach per court, maximum of four players. You know, I am aware that some academies, they do the four players per court, but usually one coach for two or three courts. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Again, it all depends what you're looking for, right? You know, but because of the way we do things, it allows us to do a lot of work on technique, on full work efficiency, just really focus on recovering the, the most minute details of the technique in the floor. We do a lot of dead ball feeding, which is only doable if you have one coach per court. The other thing that for me was a must was to, to have a very specific fitness program, not something that is just like, hey, let's just do some sprints on court, you know, just a little bit of cone drills. No. So we, we got two full-time fitness coaches they have a specific plan throughout the year. There's training blocks every three months. 
focusing on strengthening, acceleration, deceleration, agility, power, hypertrophy, you know, all of that. And we are blessed to have the facility. So these kids are doing stuff on the turf, uh, indoor pool, outdoor pool. You know, we use the gym, we use the spinning uh, room. So that part has been phenomenal. And I've seen the difference because of that. It's just being able to last longer in matches than some of their opponents. Uh, we work a lot on injury prevention. Okay, so we work a lot on mobility, flexibility, foam rolling. I also mentioned to you, I got a full-time yogi who is a pretty, pretty well-known, like in his realm. He was, he was a professional soccer player back in the days, played for a couple of teams in England. So he does our yoga, but also focuses a lot on meditation and mindfulness because we know how important that is. So he's not only uh, attacking the whole quality of the body, you know, the, the longevity, you know, we, we use the word a lot. Are we doing everything that we can to give longevity to all these kids? Because as a former college coach, I saw how many kids would come up to me already banged up. And there's obviously so much we can do because playing on hard court is tough on the body over the years. But the yoga part is really helping us a lot. But I love that he's also attacking the mental and even spiritual part of it. Uh, which these kids, you know, never really had anybody working on with them. But to even make it more special, we also have a sports psychologist that comes once a week to meet with the group. Uh, to, to, and, and he works together with, with the yoga guys. So, you know, the, the, the curriculum, the things that our sports psychologist focuses on is completely different from the things that the yogi is focusing on. Bobby, I can totally see it. You, we need to add the yogi to your uh, to your high school age groups. Well, well, and this is, I mean, I'm, I'm laughing because, uh, you know, I, I get to sit here and listen and I, I hear all this. A couple of things came abundantly clear. First of all, he's not giving, Windy Hill was one of the premier facilities. I mean, that part of town, the Atlanta Thunder used to play out of there. Uh, it's a TCA facility out of Chicago. So, you know, one of the nicer tennis companies in the country. Uh, we had a lot of fun there back in the day. That's where I met Jeff Benton, who, you know, dad is Ray Benton. So, you know, long history in tennis there as well. But the one thing that stuck out, and now I get it, Marcella, and I, forgive me, I thought you were the tennis director. So when we did the event last year with Team Luke, when, you know, our mutual friend Patricia Jensen asked me, I said, well, the only thing I saw that could be an issue going forward is that the adults, we started with the adults the first hour and a half. I think I had six to eight adults on my court. After about 25 minutes, we let them get water and only about four of them come back because they were just dead. <laughs> they were wiped out. So now I get it. He's used to working with kids all the time. The adults were like, oh my God, this is work. They quit. I was like, well, this is, this is an easy gig. I'm sitting here and I'm not having to do anything. So I completely had to get it now. It's like the kids and, but to their credit, and I, I'll let Marcel, you, you can tell me, I think I met three or four kids under the age of 12 that first of all, from a maturity standpoint, you would never know we're under the age of 12. From a tennis level ability, you would never know they were under the other 12. Marcel, I, I think probably one of them is older, 
But how many nationally ranked kids do you have playing with you right now? Uh, man, I'm going to just kind of give it a – we got close to 60 kids in the academy, maybe 25. Yeah, I mean, that Sean, the level of play in these kids was just phenomenal. And, you know, the great part about it, I, I keep church and state separate. I don't let the kids and the adults go because the kids usually don't recognize if they're better. These kids, it, they, I think there were a couple of 10- and 11-year-olds that were playing what I would call member tennis – with the adults and just everybody having a great time. So it was, you know, it was obvious. And on top of it, I, I got a job offer. So I, I loved it. It's like, oh, you've worked with adults before. Somebody was trying to recruit me. And I was like, man, I live 45, as Sean said, I live 45 minutes away. This I appreciate it, but this would be a, a, a tough gig to get here every day. So, but yeah, it was a phenomenal experience. And uh, from, you know, being somebody who works predominantly with high school, Kids, I was very envious. I was like, wow, these kids are here. They're loving it. And just you could just tell that they're getting the attention because they get it. You know, the old tennis etiquette that unfortunately I feel has died lived well, you know, and strong at Windy Hill. Well, I appreciate that, man, because for, for us, again, I don't want to I want to keep emphasizing because. I believe that not only in our community, but outside, there's a bunch of great coaches and a bunch of great academies out there, and everybody is trying to do their very best. You know, I think we all come from different backgrounds, and we, we, we use the knowledge that we were able to acquire throughout the journey. But for me, I just really try to use the things that I've learned from people like Tim Siegel and, and Per Nielsen or, you know, Adam Steinberg, who was the head coach of Pepperdine before me. And discipline is a word that always comes to mind. You know, for, for me, you is, is a, is not negotiable. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of things that I, I don't do a very good job with. Uh, I, I, I want to always feel like I'm actually falling short on things because as a 42 year old, if I knew it all, the rest of my life would be kind of boring. You know, like I want to, I want to keep learning, but discipline is something that this, and if you guys were to come out and watch, you would say like, they don't get away with anything, nothing. Uh, the parents know coming in, the, the kids know coming in, listen, we're pretty tough. We're not mean, but we are very tough. And if that's not the type of environment for you, that's okay, because you're not going to survive and you're going to be miserable. We're going to be miserable. But, you know, that language, that's something that even doesn't even cross my mind, because if it happens, they might be done. Uh, if, if they throw the racket, they're done. But it's to, it's to the point, I'll give you an example. So if I bring the kids in, I bring the kids in, you know, like we're going over the next drill and they're all hugging the racket. Somebody happens to drop the racket accidentally. Nothing needs to be said. That person goes down, does 20 push-ups. You know, again, and they just know, hey, I, if I drop my racket, it's because I'm moving my racket around. I wasn't holding like I'm supposed to. So those little things, you know, like showing up on time, going through your bends, your foam roll, your dynamic exercises pre-practice, you know, uh, picking, cleaning up after yourself. So every day I, I assign somebody to pick up the towels, to pick up the cones, to, to take the baskets back, back in the shed. I don't want them to think the coaches will do it. No, we won't. No, we won't. You will do it. You will do it. Uh, they have a checklist of things that should be in their tennis bags at all times. And it's, and it's a pretty long list of the most random things that they think that they'll never need, but they might need one match in their life. 
and it might make a difference between winning and losing. So we're very on top of those things, you know, like with the behavior, with the technical things, with the full work, and we have on the back of our shirt, shirt win together. And I'm very dead set on that. I'm very dead set. I know it's a lot tougher to make that happen in the junior world than it is in the college world. But I'm like, guys, you will be forced to play for one another in a few years. You might as well just feel comfortable doing it now. And that's something that Tim Siegel just nailed through my brain. We need to teach these kids how to be selfless because it's not only going to help them become better collegiate players, but it's going to help them in life. Okay? Don't be selfish. And it's really cool. Like when, when we do it, so I'll give an example. We, we run a lot of practices where we got four kids on, on, on court and I'll be like, okay, on court one, Bobby, you're the captain. On court two, Sean, you're the captain. We'll go for five minutes. If you don't make sure that your group of you plus three are not balls to the wall, being loud, pushing each other, encouraging each other, at the end of that drill rotation, you guys are running. You're running. And you guys will be shocked. Not only how well they do, but how much they like it. How much they like it. They're going, come on, guys, let's go. Let's go, Wendy, here, we got this. And then no, they notice that the level of tennis raises by a lot. So we bring it in. We're bringing it in. Guys, tell me how you felt. Not what we want to hear. Just tell us. Were you uncomfortable? Was that boring? And most of them be like, first of all, I realized that when I pushed my teammates, they pushed me. And then I started playing better because I felt like, man, I want to make my teammates proud. Second thing is I had fun. It was a lot more fun. The environment was just electric. So if you realize that it's more fun and you play better tennis, why do it differently? Why do it differently? <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a daily battle. It's a daily battle. We need, to, we need as coaches to live it as well. So me and my staff, we're going, let's go, guys. Move your feet, grunt. Let's go, Windy Hill. And, and it's fun. It makes me feel like I'm still young makes me want to keep doing this. Uh, I just can't imagine coaching differently. Again, I don't think it's right or wrong. Some coaches have more of a quieter personality. And maybe some of them know tennis a billion times more than me. But the way I've always coached is with energy, passion, charisma. And I, it's, it's worked for me. And I feel like it's worked for the academy. You know, like we, we're not reinventing the wheel. I feel like the reason, you know, like we didn't really have an academy here when I started. March 1st of 2021, I, I moved here, got the job, and I had six or seven kids come with me from my previous job. So we really started from scratch. And within six to eight months, we were sold out. You know, the, the business plan that I put together for TCA, for Midtown, was to have two groups with a max of eight players in each group. So they offered me the job to come, okay, it's you plus another coach, eight players each group. And then we just kept getting calls, people trying out, let's move to 20, let's move to 25, and now we're at 60. Uh, we're, we're, we're total capacity, we have three programs, our homeschool program, our junior HP program, and our after school. That's all we can take. Sixty, five courts, five coaches. 
So how do we take that energy? And Bobby, I want to I want to push this a little bit because one of the things we want to do is share the great ideas. It was one of the things I asked Marcelo early. Like, it's not necessarily a secret. You know, it's not something we're trying to keep from each other and saying this is my this is my recipe and it works. And I don't want anybody else to know because maybe they'll recreate it and put me out of business. I would love to say to all the high performance coaches out there, is it is it a benefit to run it like a college team? And to run, and you come out of college coaching, Marcelo. So I think that's a personality style that's going to fit for you. Bobby may not have that same style. I know I don't. I don't have any experience coaching college and being that kind of yelling, screaming, let's go kind of coach isn't my personality. But in this case, could we add some energy? Could we add some fun? And like you said, teamwork, winning together is, I, I think, a, a great concept of keeping all the kids together. And I asked Bobby a lot. I say, okay, what's your what's your culture and why do you choose it? I don't have to keep asking what's your culture because I know what it is. I'm there, but why do you choose that? It's a it's a hardworking yet relaxed combination with some music going. And granted, these are high school players. They're not elite level nationally ranked players. So you don't necessarily say, all right, Bobby, you need to be more like Marcella, or we need to be more like somebody else. But we can take some of these aspects. And, and sprinkle it a little bit into the area and say, hey, you know what? Let's let's raise the level a bit and say, you know what I learned from Marcelo? We could probably be a better team atmosphere, even in Tennis for Children, when I got a bunch of eight-year-olds that have never played before. I think it'd be a nice addition to what I'm doing or what I did yesterday. You know what? We had a low-energy time. Bobby, you know what I did? I sent one of the kids to the house and said, go grab the speaker. We're going to start playing some music. I'd throw on some reggaeton music because somebody wanted to hear Despacito. And all of a sudden, the energy level rises. Everybody had a great time. And it was actually less work for me as a coach because I didn't have to force the energy the whole time. Where it seems like, Marcelo, you've got a great system of having these kids be self-reliant. I think Dave Matthews would be proud because he sees a lack of that in the tournament-level players right now. Bobby, is this a good direction we go to try to sprinkle in some good advice from everybody we talked to? Oh, I think everybody, like Marcelo said, everybody has something to share. Uh, What I love about what Marcelo is saying, first of all, you know, I think it's, and we talk about it frequently, culture. What what do you want or how do you want your program, the culture of your your program? And he speaks to, and, and I completely agree, if you're going to get to the levels with these kids, which is a journey together, as Marcel, this, this is what you're paying us for. I mean, we, we go through it all the time. We work with high school kids and we laugh. A parent asks us, you know, what does our child need to work on the four type things? And we give them a top three and we all look at each other. Okay, what do we leave off that? Well, they're out of shape and their footwork is horrible. But we know that those two would, they wouldn't play tennis anymore if we have with the, with the particular kids that we have. So that's, uh, you know, that's not a great starting point, but that still does it. And, and I do think it, it starts with the coach. And, and, and I laugh because uh, like Marcel, I, we come from, I come from humble backgrounds. I was a, a visitor. I didn't belong in the, in the country club. I was well aware of that. So the culture was I'm going to be humble and I'm going to let my playing be my, be my guide. It bothers me with the kids that they take so much for granted. And it's and as we always laugh about, we say too, same thing with Marcel says, I completely agree. 
listen, even if you play Division II or Division Three college tennis, you're still in for a rude awakening because that coach does not want to be a Division II or Division Three coach. He is going or she is going to try to create a culture that is going to be usable at every level of their journey as well because it's so everybody's in for a rude awakening. So as Marcel said, and, and Sean, we've talked about this before with, you know, now that you being a new parent and, you know, me, my daughter being a senior in high school, you know, the, the trials and tribulations are going through. I always tell the story, my father gave me choices. He controlled all the variables, but he gave me the, the illusion that I had a say in the matter when I had a say, but it was his say. And I realized that in, in, in the biggest lightning is, Man, what I try to share with everybody, everybody, well, you you make things look easy. Well, because I, I limit, I do a lot of triage. You know, I, I'm I'm pretty strong in what I believe, and you know, therefore it, it shows up in other things. And and I think we do the we don't do enough for the kids in that capacity because so few are going to actually play college tennis. So few, but they are going to have to live. And I think in society reflects the fact. Kids are going to get there, but they're not going to get there. Let's say when we were, you know, my age, forget it. I'm older than both of you. We were supposed to be ready to go by 22. Now, you know, I think it got older. We say now, man, they can live at home until they're 30. So we, we got a completely different animal. Do I think everybody will get there? Yeah. But I think the time frame is different. And a lot has to do with the way that they're subjected to things younger. And again, I, I love what Marcel is doing. I think he's making their life easier in the long run. Like you said, there's certain rules. And we, we spoke about this yesterday with my gentleman's talk in my fraternity. I laughed when they said no swearing. And I was like, heck yeah. You know, and I say heck because I don't, that's too easy to cop out to the bad word about dropping a racket. Listen, I'm not saying you did it on purpose, but you were, that was for lack of a better word, lazy. You let your discipline down. And I think this is a big thing. And I think Marcel, the way you describe discipline sounds like my, unfortunately in our society, discipline really means punishment and it shouldn't. Discipline is a good thing. We've transferred the meaning of discipline to punishment. And that's a big mistake. Discipline is not punishment. It is something designed to help you. And it, that's unfortunate that it, it's law, it's taken on more of a negative connotation. I'm off the sermon now. I'm done. <laughs> well, that I like that, Bobby, because you say you say the thing that matters isn't do they play college tennis? Now, the kids probably think that's all they care about right now. But Marcelo, it sounds like you also have the idea that we're going to make you good structured people as well to respect your equipment, respect the plan, respect your friends and your teammates. And that's why I think right now there's a big hiring push for former athletes. I think people that played college tennis and college sports are getting hired in the business world significantly more than they ever were because they understand and appreciate that structure. Well, man, here's the thing. You know, like everybody will say we're in the business of building people, right? And you know, like because even though we would love for all these players that we're coaching to become top professionals, we know the likelihood is this big. So I've always wanted to make sure, first of all, I'm giving my very best to prepare them to go to college because I realized so many of my recruits were not ready. You know, so a lot of the junior coaches didn't do a good job laying that solid, concrete foundation. 
but you want to make sure that after they graduate, they're ready to be good husbands and wives and, and fathers and mothers and just good employees and employers. Uh, and it does sound cliche, but, but I think that's where the challenge really is. I mean, like, we really do it. I mean, like, me and my coaches, we leave practice every day, guys, completely worn out mentally. Mentally. Yes. I, I, I love it. I love it. But, and I tell our kids all the time, guys, do you understand that it's so easy to not do things the way we do it? We're still going to make the same amount of money. We can do the same drills. You guys are going to be hitting the same amount of balls. But we're not going to hold you guys accountable when it comes to respect, discipline, how to become a better human being. We're going to be super relaxed. I age way faster because of the way I run things. But at least I can put my head on the pillow at night knowing, okay, if this kid doesn't turn out the way I want him to, I know that I exhausted all of my options. I've tried everything. So when you were talking about like, hey, what, what, what's special about it? You know, should we be trying to do that? Yeah, I think the energy is fun, but some people don't have the personality. That doesn't mean that you guys cannot have a successful program. I'm like that. Is every coach in my staff like that? No, and they're phenomenal coaches. I think the one thing that we really do well and I don't want to say that other people are not, but I know that we're going above and beyond. We truly care. I mean, the amount of time that we spend talking to these players before and after practice, on the phone, is during practice, talking to the parents, is just really getting them to understand the importance of being a good person. You know, like I, I, lo I look at the relationship that I have still with a lot of my players. A lot of my players were... A lot of them were in my wedding. Two of them were groomsmen. I was a groomsman for two of them. So seeing those things, it means a lot more to me than, oh, we got to the finals of this. We won the conference championship. That It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I can see those boys and be like, we did our job. We did our job. You know, like they're good people, good husbands. In that case, because I was only coaching, coaching men. Uh, so it, it takes time, it takes energy, but I believe that all of us, we need to be able to sell that, but also live it. You know, don't just go and tell a parent, we're going to care about your kid. But then your kid shows up late, drops an F-bomb here, shows up, you know, like in disrespect the teammate, you're just like, hey, hey, buddy, don't do it again, okay? No, 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 let's sit down. Let's talk, okay? I, I, I love to give voice to the kid. They need to understand that they're part of the program, okay? So, when, when there's a situation with bullying, a kid comes to me, oh, so-and-so is bullying me. Well, a lot of times bullying is just perspective, right? You, you don't know because I've, I've learned at a very young age, we judge people by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. Okay, so, so maybe that person that you think is bullying you, in their mind, they're actually being funny or just trying to help you. Let's get to the bottom of it. So... I take time away. I'm away from practice, guys. Take over. I'm going to take this two to the corner. And a lot of times we figure out, man, this person was just really trying to help you, but you took it the wrong way. Can we shake hands and say, thank you. I'm sorry for hurting you. So giving them the voice instead of so many times the coach, okay, let me address that right now. You go talk to the other kid. Stop bullying that kid. You don't know if that's what that person meant, but you got to put in the time to talk to them. You know, and I always reward honesty. So if I feel like somebody did bully someone, 
and but they, they don't want to come clean. I always tell them, listen, honesty is always going to be top of my list. If you come clean now, I'm not going to punish you. I'm, I really won't. What I'm going to give you is the opportunity to apologize, look in his eyes, in her eyes, and say, I won't do it again. Right away, they're like, actually, I did it, coach. Are you, are you really sorry? Yes, I am. Because they're afraid they're going to be punished, but then they, they keep it to themselves, and a week later, they'll bully again. Mm-hmm. You know, so putting in the time to really make these kids better people, and obviously, we're not trying to ever replace what they're being taught at home. But, this, you know, I've always thought about it like that. But now being a father myself, I, I have so much respect for our parents because I know how much my child means to me. These parents are putting their kids under my guidance and my coaches. And that, and that says a lot. Okay, so I want to I make sure that I'm doing my job helping these parents grow their kids into decent people. And I also believe that when you are a good person and you understand discipline, hard work, teamwork, professionalism, you will, as a byproduct, become a good player too. Because you, you, you've got all the skills necessary to develop physically, athletically, and because you do have good coaches around you, it's just a matter of time. I, I, you know, I went, did my drills this morning, and yesterday I gave out some cards courtesy of T2 Tennis and go tennis about a new high school league that people have, you know, we we know the sincerity that went behind it. That, you know, we sat there and said, there's a need for the high school player to get additional matches. What can we do to create that? And, you know, we, we've done a lot to try to make this a happening and, you know, they didn't, they've heard it. So, you know, they kind of give you that. Okay. I got it. Attitude. And, you know, as my marketing hat puts on, I'm like, okay, this is not my, my the thing that puts them over the top, but it's an additional impression. So I'm going to give it to them anyway. When I go there this morning, there's three on the floor. So not only did they make it home, not make it home, they were so lack of respect that they dropped them and didn't throw them even out, left them on the floor. And as I try to explain to them, when they do that, I don't come to your house and clean up, mess up your house. I don't expect you to do that at mine. So I've been pondering today that court, and I know who the kids were. They're going to hear it on Monday, and you know, and, and part of what you, what I'm saying is, here's your opportunity. You can deny it, or you can come clean. Yes, you're going to get punished because there's just too many checks that I can't ignore. And you, you, you know, you heard me go off the other day and like, uh oh, something happened. You know, there are lines that I, you know, I'll give you a lot, but like I said, when it comes, tennis is not my priority. Character is my priority. This is a big character thing. And this is a culture that, you know, we always laugh. You're only as good. You only get known until you throw somebody out. Well, you know, this is an offense to me that throws people out if they don't handle it properly after the fact, right? You did it. We know you did it. There's evidence. Now here's your opportunity to, to own it. And say, okay, yeah, that was disrespectful. That was, I want another opportunity to do it right. But you know, so I, I you know, I'm listening. I want a forum here because uh, I was apoplectic this morning. You know, and and like biting my lip, wanting to call people. Say, this was just so wrong on so many levels, and it, it, it truly bothered me. So Marcel, give me advice so I don't go crazy and lose my mind in a neighborhood. <laughs> well, you should definitely make your 
disappointed because you're trying to put something together cool for the kids and give them yeah. different opportunities and they're not respecting it or embracing it. Here's the thing. The first thing is I tell the kids all the time, uh, our job is not to really motivate, it's to inspire. Uh, motivation is intrinsic. You either have it or you don't. You know, so a lot of times it's so tough because you're trying your very best to get this kid, they show me that you want more, that you're hungrier. Maybe they just don't want it, but it still doesn't justify showing a lack of respect, you know, throwing the cards on the court and just like, I don't, I don't care what coach told us to do. So I, I, but I'm a big believer that if they are remorseful after you address it, they don't get a pass. The one thing that I like to do, I don't do it all the time because it needs to be something that really pushes me over the edge. But when somebody does commits an infraction that I think, okay, this is just too much. I've had situations where I suspended kids from the academy. Aware, you know, they understood it, but even if they didn't, the kid would have been suspended regardless. And they can only come back when they're willing to write a letter and read the letter to the entire group. And it's, and it's not with the purpose of humiliation at all, at all. I never wanted to come across like that, but by, by misbehaving or showing a lack of respect to the group or to the coach, now you got to apologize to everybody, okay? And I always tell the, I always tell the group, everybody's going to listen, whether you guys agree or disagree. And when the letter is read, you guys shake hands, the person's welcome back in the group. So you're going to have to make a decision whether you see that as a big infraction or not. Uh, it is definitely disrespectful because you're trying to put something cool for them. Uh, but you should just tell them, listen, guys, I don't, I would love for you guys to go play this league and, and compete more. If you don't want to, it's completely fine. You know what to do? You approach me, give me the cards back and say, coach, I appreciate the opportunity. We don't think we're going to sign up so you can keep the cards with you, but thank you. Yes. And that's uh, the one girl who gave me the cards, like, Thank you. I'd rather have you do that than throw it on the porch. So she was absolved, uh, but you're right. Yeah. But it, it was, you know, it's bothersome. And I think what I, again, to go back and, and I'll let you take it from here, Sean, is that what I love is that the culture, obviously what is great is that you put it up front. So people are walking in the door knowing what they're getting involved with. There should be no surprises. There should be no arguments about an F-bomb being a bad thing because you know that. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm an old school Cindy Brady and I mean, I was a cub coach teaching at Chastain, watching this lady give a lesson to a very high ranked player. And the kid, you know, doing low backhand volley, she's making impossible feeds and he's making these great volley. He missed ones. And he said at S and Cindy just, you know, crossed her arms. And I watched the kid get down and do 20 pushups. And I couldn't wait for her to get off the court to ask her. She said, no, my kids sign a contract. They know I don't have to. If I have to tell them we have a bigger issue. So they know that they messed up. They recognize it. They do what they have to do. And we forget, we go on and we, we, we don't want to replicate the behavior. I think it's great. I, I love the fact that the parents are buying in. And again, I, I think the proof is in the pudding. Look at the results. And I think the energy, I, I equate too many academies in the city, unfortunately, because there's so much tennis is, is puppy farms. You're looking for the elite. If we get 80 kids, maybe two of them will have, have that intrinsic, that inherent ability or that drive, Marcel, that you're talking about. But I love the fact you started with six and said the six 
are going to be the role models. If you want to be here, this is what you got to be. And again, I think the success speaks for itself. So congratulations on a job well done. Thank you, Bobby. All right. Well, so that case, it I, yeah, there we go. All right. So let's get us, we'll, we'll take us home. Uh, taking us out. So Marcelo, you should know this is coming. My favorite question. We like to add it at the end where we ask everybody the king of tennis question. And it is whether or not you are wanting to change one thing in Atlanta. The scope can be global. It can be anything. It can be professional. It can be social. But question is, if you are king of tennis, is there anything you would do or change, whether it's just something in Atlanta or something all around the world overall? Hopefully, uh, it's the kind of thing that you can say, yeah, you know what? This is what I would change. This makes tennis better. Or this is the thing that's going to be uh, good for tennis everywhere. Or maybe we just a little tweak here in Atlanta. But Marcelo, king of tennis, what do you do? I'm sure that as I have more time to think about this question, I'll have like a bunch of things to say. I just think like as I just focus on our community, um, I do think, and I, I know it's not something that is easily achievable because we're, we're living our lives, we're so busy with, with the academy and family. I would love to have some sort of forum where high performance coaches in Atlanta or coaches that are pursuing that and trying to learn for us to come together, you know, and, but, but in a friendly, really edifying way. I feel like there, there, there are groups that, you know, like not specifically to Atlanta, but there are too many groups where people are like analyzing techniques and do this and that, and there's too many disagreements. I'm not a big fan of that. So I never engage on things online, to be honest. I love if the community, the tennis community in Atlanta, we could have like twice a year a get together. You know, like in something very just laid back. We're not talking about like an official conference. I'm like, it's a group of coaches that I know, that you know, different academies. Because again, just like you said, we can get very competitive, but the tennis industry in this city is insane. You can be doing crappy job. You can be doing good job. Your academy is going to be full. There's too many kids. Okay, so, so for you to be like, oh, I don't want to share this because they're going to take my player. No, I'm, I, that, that's a bunch of baloney. Uh, so I think it would be really cool. Oh, wow, because I'm kind of like in my little cave here, just really spending time with my coaches. But I love talking tennis, man. I love it. And I love, and I'm always asking my coaches about things that they think we could be doing better to improve the academy. Uh, but I love to get that from other people. Are they willing to give me some of their secrets too? I don't know. But I think it would be just cool to talk about ways to run an academy, to develop a player. But you know what? Even if we don't want to talk about that, can we come together to just talk about how do you handle parents? How do you handle the pressure of having to deliver results when parents are putting a lot of pressure on you? So just that, even if you don't want to talk about how to develop a player, I think would be really cool. Uh, the, the other thing, you know, we talked about, unfortunately, I think we're all to blame a little bit. Tennis coaches can become very egotistical. And I'm going to speak it for myself because I don't want to talk about other people. But I think just being in the industry for 20-something years, we, we don't want to – I'll give an example. Like coaches 
that a lot of times you're working with a player and there's another coach working with the same player, but they don't want to communicate. We're working with the same player. We have the same goals. Why don't you feel like we should be communicating? So, so I think that that friendship will not only be amazing for the coaches themselves, but it's going to be 100% beneficial for the players. So I'm just kind of throwing things out there. Uh, and those are also things that, to be honest, it's not like, oh, my gosh, I've had so many bad experiences with that. I haven't. It's just really a tricky question. I can always come back to you later and say, hey, I thought about this. But as I sit on my, my king of tennis throne, those are the only things. You know, maybe like, okay, I just thought about something. I think it would be really cool to have inter-academies matches and almost create a league, a league, almost like a high school league. You start the year. You start the year. You, you do it under UTR. But you're like, okay, uh, Wendy, who is going to put a under-18s and under-16s together? UTA is going to do the same thing. Uh, Lifetime is going to do the same thing. And... Georgia Tennis Academy is going to do the same thing. We keep inviting people. Now, we have high-level competition. We can rotate who hosts it, and it's coming towards UTR. It is an opportunity for our players to interact, but it's most, it's the most important part is for the coaches to interact because all of these kids within our community, they all play together anyway. They're always traveling together, you know, so like, one, one of my boys here, Mason Taub, he's always practicing with Ryan Kozat, who's up at Georgia uh, Tennis Academy with Gilly. And everybody, you know, there's no like, oh, is he trying to take my player? Am I trying? No, no, no. I'm like, it's good for the boys. It's good for the boys. So, so let, let's do that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of interest in doing it because, and, and that's me, nobody ever expressed that to me. Oh, I don't want to do that because maybe my kid's going to go to that academy and see, oh, amazing facility. Or maybe my kid's going to go to that academy. Oh, I really like their coaches, man. Look at that. And, 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 I, and I believe that if you're good at what you do and you're very secure, I mean, like, hey, if, if, I, if I bring somebody, if my players go play an inter-academy somewhere else and they feel like they should be at that academy, good luck, enjoy it. And maybe that guy wasn't the right fit for me anyway. Okay? And it's all good because everything is cyclical. Everything is cyclical. Um, so, yeah, th those are my ideas there. I ended up just rambling on too much. First of all, look at, look at what he calls his high – it's not Marcelo high performance. It's Wendy Hill high performance. So we're already, we're already bigger than the person, which is, is wonderful. Second of all, you, you sit there and go, as, as it's the beautiful idea of – I always laugh. I've, I didn't need to play tournaments. I got beat by 17 people at my club. Why did I need to go any further? I mean, it's an expensive sport. We have such an opportunity here in Atlanta to, to make it and make it a little easier for everybody involved. And again, to, to build the community, because as coaches, isn't our, responsible, our responsibility to the player, not ourselves? So if, like you said, if the kid chooses to leave, we have to sit there and say, hey, did I do something wrong? And if I believe in what I believe in, then no then th th we think this child is making a mistake, but they have to learn that. Our, our goal is to get the kids to a point where they feel comfortable making decisions. And I think that's great. And Marcel, just real quick, how tall is Mason now? Man, that's a, I would say he's probably close to six feet, 
he's six foot, yeah. Yeah. Five eleven or six, yeah. He's he's pretty tall. The thing is, you know, like we got this other kid, Caden Colombo, and the kid is fourteen and he's six three, man. You oh. know, it's just it's unreal. So he makes everybody look like a midget. But <laughs> but but Mason has really gone through a growth spurt this past year, year and a half. Yeah. He I mean, I remember him from last year. He was a phenomenal player. It's like, okay, just how tall is he gonna be? That's <laughs> he's still going, man. Good. Stretch him out. Get him stretching. Well, thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Sean, close it out for us, please. Yeah, thank you, Marcelo. And we'll have you, uh, when you think of some more King of Tennis ideas, bring them on because I have a feeling, I've taken some notes here. I have a feeling we can make some of these things happen. And I think that's one of the things, one of the many things Go Tennis is going to be able to, to help with because we're going to get all the coaches together and say, okay, we're going to have a little ego check at the door. You're all going to get together and talk it out and let's make the industry better. Let's help each other make it. What's our phrase, Bob? You, know, you want to say is make tennis cool again, but I like uh, I make say, it be better. Tennis better than better than it already is, or be yeah. better is a good one. Marcelo, we'll definitely have you back on. We'll definitely be following up. I love the idea of a coaches non-conference, and uh, I like the idea of maybe kind of a, an inner academy group. We can we can make some of those things happen. Put that together. We really appreciate your time, and we will be in touch. No, I appreciate what you guys are doing again. I think it's phenomenal. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak up and just share a little bit about the academy and some of the things that we're trying to do. Uh, if you need my help putting any of those ideas together, you know, just give me a shout. And yes, you know, the weekend is going to be fun. I'm driving down to Augusta. We got about 10 players at a level five there. So I'm going to go spend some time with my kids and the families and watch some tennis. I love it. Don't worry. You've already been you've already been put in charge of all three of these ideas. So we'll uh, we're, we're calling you next week. <laughs> Take care, guys. Take care now. Thanks, Marcella. Well, there you have it. We want to thank Rejuvenate.com for use of the studio, and be sure to hit that follow button for more tennis-related content. You can go to AtlantaTennisPodcast.com. And while you're there, check out our calendar of tennis events, the best deals on Technifiber products, tennis apparel, and more. If you're a coach, director of any racket sports, or just someone who wants to utilize our online shop, contact us about setting up your own shop collection to offer your branded merchandise to the Atlanta tennis world. And with that, we're out. See you next time.